Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning. All right, well, hey, we're going to jump right in. But hey, I wanted to encourage you. You can kind of see how tight it is in here. A little hotter than a, than a different type of service just because of all the bodies in here. We do have two other services, you know. I know 10 o'clock is a sweet spot for most of you. It's totally fine. But hey, if you're like, oh, I could use a little more space, uh, we do have an 8.30 and an 11 o'clock service. So feel free to join us uh, today at the 11 and then next week at the 8.30, 10 and the 11 just to balance things out. So uh, just kidding. But I do want to encourage you, if, if that's something that it might suit you better, actually, to have a little bit more space. But uh, I love having all of you here, of course, this morning. Uh, last week, we shared, uh, Pastor Chris and I did a conversation. We shared on uh, the boring life of Christianity, uh, which uh, some, of, some people were like, what, what, what do you mean? Why is, is being a Christian that boring? And it's not that. It's not this like yawn fest, this snooze fest, where you just keep putting snooze button on anybody, the snooze button person. In the house, anybody? That's me too. Um, somebody in my house hates when I hit snooze a lot. Uh, <laughs> the boring life of Christianity is all about the day in and the day out. The faithful living for Jesus. The faithfulness of one decision after another. The invitation to his work, not my work. It's a place where I go, I'm going to do the hard things on the daily so that when the storms come, when the rain falls, when the trial hits, I've got that solid foundation. And we're going to read about that. So I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 7. We read this pretty quickly last week. I'm going to go over it in a little more detail today. But this boring life of Christianity, when you say yes to Jesus... When you say yes to following after him, when you say yes, Lord, I'll, whatever you want to do, and you actually have to take steps of, you know, of faith going, whoa, this is a little scary. This is a little daunting. It's actually anything but boring. It is, it is scary. It is, it is stretching. It is um, all of those things. And I, I just want to encourage you that this morning, this is, this is one of those, the, the places where you get to identify where am I at with my walk with the Lord and, and is, my, is my foundation fixed in a, in a strong way or am I building my life on sand? So I'm going to encourage you, uh, this is going to be one of those like interesting sermons where um, we're talking about practical things, but my goodness, it can be a little challenging it's, it's not one to, it's one to be ready to receive maybe a little bit of uh, like pinpointed, am I, am I just saying I'm a Christian or am I a Christ follower? Because following is far different than liking. And, and to like is fine, but to follow is what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for you not just to talk the talk, but to actually walk the walk. And, and that's what we want to go for. That's what we want to strive after. But it's a little scary. It's asking a lot. It's, um, it's not exactly fun. It doesn't give you that place of happy that we are all looking for. 
but it gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you a sense of fulfillment. And the Lord isn't calling us to live this happy life. He actually invites us to pick up a cross and follow him, to lay our lives down for for others. Anybody excited? Yeah, Yeah, we're going for it. This is the best sermon I've ever heard. But Christianity is not for the faint of heart. And if you want to walk this walk out, let's do it. Let's go all in. I'm kind of like the all-in guy. I'm, I'm, I'm usually not in the middle anywhere. I'm kind of either not or all. Like, it, it's just kind of, that's my personality. But, but I don't see it any other way in Scripture. In fact, Revelation, when, when Jesus is talking to the seven churches, one of the, one of the stern warnings is, do not be lukewarm. Do not live in the middle. Do not live in that place that is, that is like, yeah, I mean, it's, I just come to church and I check the box. No, okay, be at church, come. Obviously, great. This is the starting point. This is the place where we get filled up, we get equipped, we get encouraged, we go, man, we get loved on and cared for, and then it's like shooting us out for Monday. It's like, I need everything I can get for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay, church. <gasps> oh, okay, I needed that again. You know, it's like this filling up of uh, uh, refreshing and reconnecting. That's great. But this life of Christianity is not for the faint of heart, and that's why we need these disciplines to kind of build us up and give us this firm foundation that that sustains us through it all. Uh, There's a book called Celebration of Discipline. Does that sound fun to read? I've had that, I've had this book for years, like years and years, and I've always looked at it and I'm like, yeah, I I probably should read that. Kind of, you know, like, but who wants to read about celebrating discipline? Nobody, nobody. I picked it up, though, and I made the mistake of opening it up, and I went, wow, this is good. This is good. He talks about these inner disciplines of, of meditation, of prayer, of fasting, of study. And he talks about the outer disciplines of, of being with one another and connection and community and, and the church life. And, and so I want to encourage you, if you want to grab that book, go get it. But the very first Uh, three sentences in the first chapter says this, and I read this last week, but I want to read it again. Superficiality is is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. Okay, I'm going to pause there. Instant satisfaction, who does not like going through the drive through Who does not like hitting the one button that's 30-second automatic start instead of pressing cook time, three, zero, start? No, you just want that one button, cook time. We, We want things instantly, instantly, instantly. And why is it a spiritual problem? It is a spiritual problem because our flesh is so loving, this life. Our flesh says, give it all to me. I'm gonna gorge on it. I'm gonna become a glutton. I want all of it. Uh, we, we saw a commercial the other day by Lazy Boy. Their motto was live life comfortably. And I went, hey, good motto for a couch company. Terrible motto for life. Or maybe rather, I should say this, terrible motto for Christianity. Terrible model for a life of a believer. A believer should be in action. 
A believer should be continually pressing in, being stretched, grown, growing your faith, walking into situations where you're like, okay, Lord, I need you now. Come on, Lord, I need you to show up. Holy Spirit, give me some words to speak. Give me some wisdom. Give me some discernment. Lord, help me understand what I'm supposed to do here. But a life of living comfortably goes, ah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I don't need to really, whatever. And the enemy goes, yeah, it's right where I want you. Perfect spot. You're not going anywhere. You're not going backwards. You're not going forwards. Ah. And the enemy celebrates with that. Okay, it goes on. It says, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Friends, I'm not looking at this is rhetorical. Please don't raise your hand. On a scale of one to 10, am I a deep person of faith or am I shallow? Have I put in some disciplines in my walk where I'm growing, where I'm being stretched, where I'm walking this out? Or am I kind of on the the front end of just a shallow life? Depending on where you are, that's not necessarily bad. It just means I've got a a ways to go and I can put these these practices into life and that's fine. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. We're going to read this together. As we read it, you have to understand that this is, I I shared this last week, but this is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is like the best sermon ever in history. This is Jesus talking to thousands of people. He's sharing all these amazing, amazing things, okay? This is an incredible sermon. Go back and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then at the end of 7, this is what Jesus says to encapsulate all of this. He says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, okay, everyone who's hearing, everybody hearing? We good? We're in the house, right? Everybody's seeing these words. Everybody's understanding what Jesus is saying. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everybody say, puts them into practice. (laughs) Oh, we love practice. Puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. It didn't fall. Because its foundation, it had its foundation on the rock. Then he goes on and he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Okay, you're like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Jesus, I love you. I love you as my savior. Cool, I love that. I love hearing the things that Pastor Jeff says most of the time. But these other things, oof, I'm not going to do. Uh-uh. I'm not going to put that into practice. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go to a meeting. I'm not going to go to a life group. I'm not going to be discipled. I'm not going to grow in my faith. I'm just going to come to church on Sunday, and that's I'm checking the box because I'm a good person. And the Lord's like, that's boring life of Christianity. Why don't you step into a life with me where we're going somewhere? Why don't you watch and see what I'll do with your life when you surrender it all to me? So he says, he says, but this one, these, these people who, who hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. With a great crash. That's sobering. 
These are two different lives Jesus is talking about. Same house, different foundation. Same storms, different foundation. Jesus, his teaching is our foundation. So this is what he's saying. As you put this teaching, his teaching into practice, you'll build right, uh, the right foundation. <clears throat> practice, I wanna talk about the word practice for, for a minute. The, the Greek word here is the actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method as opposed to theories relating to it. This is how it would be defined. Training, we all love training. Rehearsal, repetition, preparation, exercise, drill, study, practice session, <laughs> dummy run, run through, try out, warm up. Practice is boring. Practice is not sexy. It's okay. It's not this like, oh yeah, I want to practice all day long. Allen Iverson, he's, he's one of the best point guards in history in the NBA. I don't know why somebody's excited about that. He hated practice. He thrived off his talent. He was incredible. Incredible. One of the best in history. He hated practice. In fact, one time, uh, he, didn't end, he stopped going to practices, and he just played in the playoff games. And the media were kind of after him. They're like kind of asking him, grilling him over and over. Why don't you practice? Why don't you practice? Why don't you practice? He goes, practice? 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 We're talking about playoffs, not practice. And he got all heated. But he never was a Michael Jordan. He never was a Kobe Bryant. He never was Steph Curry. Nobody's Steph Curry. I've got a, <clears throat> I'm coaching big time, seventh and eighth grade, achieve boys basketball. Yeah. It's high end. Hey, if anybody wants to build a gym back here or donate a couple million dollars to help build a gym out here, I'm down. That'd be awesome. Just throwing that out there. You never know what you're going to get with that. We need a gym because we can't practice. And so we come to these games and these kids have barely ever played. They barely even touched a ball. And so we get a practice in, and I teach him one play, and then I get to the game, and I'm like, man, we, that play is not working. I've got to do something different, you know? And the other team had figured this out like that. And I'm like, I got I to gotta rearrange a little bit. So I call a timeout, and I'm like, okay, guys, come here, come here, come here. And I write it on the whiteboard, right? I'm like, X's and O's, and I'm showing them what to do, and I'm like, okay, do you understand? Yes, coach, do you understand? I'm going one by one, all five of the kids, and I'm like, okay, we're going to go do it. It's going to be super simple. Just do what I'm asking you to do, okay? We go on three, one, two, three, achieve. Yeah, good. And then they, they turn around and they forget everything. <laughs> and I'm like, Jimmy, no, on the other side of the court, we have the ball. You're not on defense. Come on. They're terrible. <laughs> they got a long way to go. You know what, though? We need practice. We need to be together. We need to, they need to understand how I communicate. They need to understand the X's and O's on the board. They need to understand all that. But with a little practice and going right into games, you just, I, I kind of just start laughing now. I just kind of like, all right, let's see what happens. And then they go and they're like, I have no idea what they're doing. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. Go turn the ball over again. It's fine. Practice, it helps our fundamentals. It helps our 
muscle memory. It helps our, the fibers in who we are. It helps us understand and remember, and, and it starts triggering all of these things that you go, oh, 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 I get it. I under, that's what coach has been talking about this whole time. Hands out. Be big. You know, like, box out. Rebound. Like, I'm getting it. But in the same way with our walk with the Lord, sometimes we negate the practice that Jesus is asking us to put in and then we get in the game and we have no clue or we don't, we back out because we don't, we, don't, we don't know how to do any of it. It's as simple as this. Hey, you should probably, as a Christian, a practice of prayer is probably just saying, hey, let me pray for you. You're talking to a friend, a coworker, you're talking to somebody and you're like, hey, you know what? I should probably pray for you. But then there's that thing in your head that goes, uh-uh, I can't do that. But Jesus is saying, put, put it into practice. You're training, you're, you're rehearsing, you're going over these things, you're, you're going for it. So there's a measure of me stepping out in faith as practice and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Any believer should be able to do that because it's not me, it's him. And we know that the Lord wants to bless that person, right? And I'm a, I'm a vessel, so I can just say, oh, let me, let me pray for you real quick. Just as easy as that. Practice matters. It refines us. It makes us stronger and more fit for, <clears throat> for that which we are practicing. Uh, how many of you ever uh, have practiced an instrument long, long ago? You still playing that instrument? I played the violin first. It's a little kid. I had a choice between the violin and tap dancing. <laughs> I chose the violin. <clears throat> then I played the trumpet in junior high, but all the cool kids were playing the saxophone. So I begged my mom, I need to play the saxophone. So, okay, you can play the saxophone. You just have to take a year long of lessons and then you can play saxophone. I did that, got pretty good. And then everybody stopped playing the saxophone. So then I quit. Why did I quit? Practice is hard. I'm like, I want to play the cool stuff, you know? I want to play all the Lion King music and Jurassic Park and all these, like, cool symphony things. I couldn't even play hot cross buns. <laughs> They're like, it's because I didn't want to practice. That actually gives me the ability to understand and remember where, when and where to hit the notes and all of those things. And, and so then I gave up. And the Lord is just, I, I just so sense that the Lord is saying, don't give up on your faith but practice, put it into practice. Begin to walk the walk. Go do the things that, that I've encouraged and invited you in to do. Listen, hearing and understanding Jesus' teaching is not completely sufficient. I don't wanna just be a hearer of the word and then deceive myself because I don't do anything with it. I, I wanna receive teaching. I wanna receive understanding. I wanna receive salvation and then Man, because of what God's done in me, the great gift of salvation that Manny was talking about, therefore, because of this, I get to go then and, and do things for and with Jesus. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. He is much more concerned about your walk than your talk. He's much more concerned about your walk than your talk. Some of us have a good game. Practice. It's playoffs. Okay, but you get good at fundamentals and knowing the ins and outs of what the Lord's doing and who he's made you to be and hearing his voice and, and stepping into prayer and stepping into the things that, that we're talking about. 
your walk with the Lord is gonna change drastically. Practicing the words of Jesus builds that solid, solid foundation. A couple of questions I wanna ask you. Am I a Christian who is a follower of Jesus? A goer and a doer of Je- like with Jesus? Or am I just a, a nominal Christian? So some of the questions that I would ask is, Lord, do you have my heart? Have I given you my heart? Have I given, like, I, maybe I've received salvation, but I've never just said anything you want to do. I'm yours. And really a simple, like even in worship, friends, I mean, it's okay to like lift your hands, just so you know. Like when I, when I go like this in worship, it's a point of surrender. It's a point of like, Lord, here's my heart. Here's everything. Here, here's the weight that I carry. Here's all the things that are going on. And I, I'm in surrender to you. And it's an openness to say, whatever you want to speak, speak. Am I, am I living in sin? Just so you know, sin will deviate our, our thoughts and our deeds more than anything. So if I'm, if I'm living in sin and I know it and I, I can see that scripture is speaking to it, then, then I've got I've to surrender that, whether I feel like it or not. Do I consider the word the primary source of the way I live? If so, then, then I've got to surrender to it, even if it, it goes against my feelings or my heart. Come on. Like, that's, a, that's serious Christianity. That's stepping into something that's like the real deal. That's walking the walk out. But it's hard, friends. It's hard. This life isn't about being happy. I, it's, just, it's sobering to even say that because you're like, what? come on, we go to the live church, we love it. I hope you do. But being a Christian is about losing your life. It's not about being happy or I deserve. I've had it so hard. I deserve X, Y, Z. If you look at scripture, you know what we deserve. And it is not pretty. But praise Jesus who came and set us free. So then we, then we say, I lay it all down. Ooh, I got to work through my feelings, I got to work through all this, but I'm, I'm in a posture that says, Jesus, you first, you have your way. And then he begins to reveal to us all the things and how to walk the, the hard decisions that we got to make, how to walk those out, even when it involves other people. These are some questions to think about. What is the Lord calling you to do with your life? Like, what's, what's your greatest purpose? And if he's speaking that to you, and you're talking to that with other, other Christians and believers who are, who are on the same track of pointing together to Jesus, man, oh man, you will begin to see the Lord work and show up in many, many ways. But if you don't know that, there's some disciplines to put in place where you actually have to stop things and listen and hear and ask the Lord and, and invite him to speak life into you. All right, Galatians chapter six. If you turn there or you'll see it on the board, Galatians chapter six. I'm going to read Paul's words to us here. Starting in verse seven, he says, do not 
be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Anybody else think that's a little hard? But I come to the word going, Lord, all of my preconceived stuff, your word speaks to me. I, I change because of the word. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So friends, are you sowing to your flesh? Are you sowing to the spirit? And this is just scripture. This is truth. What is gonna happen is you're gonna reap destruction. The wages of sin is death, what Manny just talked about. If I sow to the spirit, I put my flesh in check and I say, whatever you want, Lord, with my life. And I'm gonna walk that out accordingly. Whoever sows to please the flesh. Uh, one of the, one of the <clears throat> commentaries that I came across said a person cannot engage in the work of the flesh and simultaneously experiences God's good life that he has just destined for you. You're trying to hold on to two very different things. And eventually they go like this, and eventually it gets too far and too, too far away. You can't hold on to both, so one of them's got to go so that you can go to the other. And so into the flesh brings you into the presence and the power and the authority of Christ, which is the best place to be, friends, the best place. If you sow to the spirit or the flesh, it will reap destruction. It's like building your house on the sand. And when you build that house, your life your values, your, the way in which you go about things. Well, you're gonna build this on sand and then as soon as that storm comes, it's gone. And it falls with a great crash. It falls with a great crash. Whoever sows the Spirit will reap that eternal life like the man who builds his house on a solid foundation. When the winds come, the streams come, the, the wind comes, the, the rain comes, whatever, you look outside and you're like, oh man, that's nasty. Glad I'm inside. Man, Lord, what do you want to do? When, when tragedy or, or, or challenges come in, sometimes I go, Lord, this is hard. This is daunting. But what are you going to do out of this? It's a lot different than, oh my goodness, everything's going to fall. Everything's breaking. Everything's coming down. I've got to make sure everybody's secure and make sure all the things are good. And then you can be in the solid, firm foundation house and go, hey, we're going to be all right. In fact, let's open the door and let others come in. He goes on, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Friends, at the proper time. So you're enduring, you're working through, you're going through this, you're trudging through your Christian walk, you're, you're, you're making your way, and it's in his proper time, not, not my time. That's that instant satisfaction life that says, no, 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 I'm, giving, I'm, I'm laying all that down. Jesus, whatever you want to do, your proper time, in proper time, you will reap a harvest. Anybody want to reap a harvest? Six of us, okay, that's good. <laughs> we want to reap a harvest, a harvest represents health and vitality, not just for you, but for others. 
It's for a community. It's a harvest. You're going to reap so much. You're like, how can I give all of this away? You become such a blessing because you're not going to grow weary in doing the good small things of Jesus. You're not going to grow weary in doing the basic fundamentals of what he's asking us to do. We're going to keep on stepping into those. And I'm not going to grow weary because in his due time, in his proper time, in his authority and his presence, I'm going to be able to respond and reap that harvest when it comes. And because of that, I have something to bless others with. So don't give up. Don't grow weary. Keep walking this faith out together. I'm going to hit on a couple of things real quick. These inner disciplines, three in particular, meditation, prayer, and study. Just really quickly, meditation. When you think of meditation, you might think, hmm, that sounds very Eastern religion-like. Yeah, there is some of that. But however, you need to understand that from the very roots of Christianity, meditation was part of it. Meditation is part of chewing on scripture. It's, it's allowing truth to come and we ruminate on it. We think on these things. We, we stop and slow down so that I can allow the Holy Spirit to speak these things over me and my life. And then because I chew on these things and, I, and it's almost like I want to get every ounce of the word in me and, and I want to know this so well that I'm just like, I'm wringing the rag out of God's blessing of like, I want to get everything out of this, but it causes me, it requires me to Stop. What an antidote for the fast pace that we live. So when we, when we hit the pause button on the craziness of life and turn off all our notifications or, or turn, off, turn off our phones, I, I dare you to turn your phone off one, once a week for a whole day. I bet you can't even do it. It's a challenge. I mean, try it. Leave it at home. We all, I survived with a phone that was attached to the wall, right? I, the cool thing when I got a phone was call waiting. Like, I'm, I'm okay. I, I lived through most of the emergencies that came up. But the Lord is inviting us to, to, to put this practice of meditation into place where, what, what does it say in Psalms 1 through 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3? It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the one who avoids that. Come on. It doesn't mean I don't have relationship, but it definitely means that I'm not in step and in line with what they're doing, okay? It's very different. So, so hear it. Like, I see what you're doing. I'm, not, I'm going this way, but hey, man, we can have some relationship. But I'm not going to do what you do because that is a violation of Scripture. That's a violation of my covenant relationship with God. I am not going to go down that path because that's sin. There's a clear line. And then it says this in verse 2. It says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. That sounds like the man, the wise man who built his foundation on the rock. So how do you do this? You got to slow down. You begin to memorize, begin to write down, just allow the scriptures and the truth of Jesus to wash over you. Prayer is the other one. Prayer, prayer is one of those things that I think some people understand and some people are like a little weary of. And so here's, I want to simplify it. Prayer is talking with and communicating with the Lord. It's nothing more than that. It doesn't have to be the super like, spiritual thing that, oh, only Pastor Jeff can pray. No, no, no. This is something that you talk with the Lord. You just 
actually, like I'd talk to you to, uh, one-on-one. I want to talk to the Lord that way. So I'm inviting you to just say, hey, Lord, I want to I share some things with you. Here's what's going on in my heart. And, and when you begin to do this, as you draw near to the Lord, Scripture says that he draws near to us. So in prayer, we have this nearness with the Lord because we're drawing near to him. Prayer is a, a position of humility as well, which might be a reason you might neglect it. I don't, I don't need to pray. Prayer says, I'm coming humbly before my God and my King, my Lord, Lordship. I'm coming underneath because I know my position. Why would I pray to a God that I don't really believe or care what he says or does about my life? I, I don't really need that. I'm going to come in prayer saying, with my heart laid low, I'm coming to you, my Lord and my King, so here's my life. Here's the circumstances. Here's what I'm praying about. Uh, the disciples constantly asked Jesus about praying, right? They see him not praying in the temple, and that was like not the thing to do back then. And so they began to ask Jesus, hey, what are you doing? Why are you, how come you're praying outside of the temple? And then he began to teach them like the Lord's Prayer and, and how this works with each individual. So go look up the Lord's Prayer. Begin to look at those points of, of how Jesus instructs us to pray. A faithful disciple a faithful discipline of any believer is a steady prayer life. Paul says, pray unceasingly. That means I'm just continually always talking to the Lord. I'm always in conversation with him and always wanting to hear his voice in my life. So number one, don't, don't overcomplicate it. And God is a relational God. He wants to relate with you. He wants to know you and he wants to have relationship with you. And prayer is a big part of that. Uh, fasting is another inner, inner one, uh, inner discipline, but we've covered that. So go, if you want to learn more about fasting, go, go back to our sermons in January and you'll hear about those. Study. Let's talk about study real quick. And I'm going to have the worship team come on up. They're going to come up and we're going to close in worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Can I get an amen? amen. It is so easy to conform to the patterns of this world. So it sounds nice, but the reality is this is, this is challenging. This is, this is something that draws us in is us trying to be like the world. Hey, I got I to gotta keep up with the Joneses kind of style of living. Like I've got to make sure I make more money and have more success and have all the things so that it looks like at the end of the day I was successful. Watch out, friends. Those are traps. So Paul's saying here, he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How, how are you transformed by the renewing of your mind? Scripture. You're going you're gonna to come, I want to encourage you, don't come to Scripture with all the things that I want it to believe, where I wrap this Bible up in all the things that I think should be or, or, or shouldn't be, but come to the Word ready to be renewed and transformed with a, pre, with a, with a place of understanding that I'm, I'm coming to this authority that speaks to me about life, that speaks to me about what's happening and gives me context for what I should do and should not do. And then I read things like Jesus saying, yeah, if you hear these words, put them into practice. So then I say, okay, I'm reading this stuff, so I'm, I'm getting it, I'm meditating, on, I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord about these things, and then I actually go and do those things that he's asking me to do. So he says, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So that question of purpose and, and, and living this life for the Lord, then, then he begins to speak to those things, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm all in on that. I want God's good, pleasing, and perfect will in my life. 
There's other practical things, but hey, just the very first thing I would encourage you to do is, is read the Bible on the daily. Open up your Bible and begin reading. If you don't understand, keep going. Then have a conversation with somebody who knows the Bible and, say, and, and ask the question, hey, what's the deal with this over here? I don't understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Give, give me a breakdown, okay? But just begin reading and getting it into your life. Begin studying it by, by cross-referencing where, where this word is in Scripture over here, where it is over here, and, and begin to look at those things together. Get a strong concordance that'll tell you the, the definition of Greek and Hebrew, which is amazing. Or go to blueletterbible.com. I mean, there's so many resources out there that help you understand how to read the Bible. So let's put these things into practice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Let me have you guys stand. We're going to close in worship. Paul goes on in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, and he says this. He's kind of closing out the chapter. He's closing out the, 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 the letter to his friends. And he says, finally, after all these things I've told you, brothers and sisters, finally, check this out. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice. Do you hear Paul referencing Jesus here? It's like, hey, whatever you do, whatever's noble, whatever's honorable, whatever's true, do these things. Walk in them. Walk in these things, and you will not walk in the way of the world. Friends, I want to invite you to that. Put it into practice. I told you about the basketball team. I'm also helping out with the fifth and sixth graders. Man. Oh, boy. Oh, the the seventh and eighth graders, oh, back to them. We we need a lot of practice. But we've gotten better. The other game, every single player scored a basket. Yeah. It's amazing. That never happens ever anyway. Like in, in a good game, not all the players ever score. It's very, very, very rare. The point of what I'm trying to tell you is we, we put the things into practice and each of them have been growing and learning. And, and so just, just take that next step that the Lord is asking you to take as a, as a believer and a, and a follower, one who is obedient to the Lord. Put that into practice. So let's pray and then we'll close out in worship. Jesus I thank you for the opportunity where we get to <clears throat> take what you've said and, and then just, just go try it out, Lord. You sent the disciples out often, Lord, and they, they came and they went and they did and then they came back with stories and, and you helped them gain understanding of why things didn't work and why it did work. And, and so, Lord, you have so much grace for us as we're living this life for you and with you. So Jesus, if there's anybody in here that wants to just walk with you, period, just says, I, I just want to say yes to Jesus and, and live this new life that, that is so purposeful, Lord, to, to walk this path with you, Jesus. I just pray, Lord, that they would say yes to you, they'd for, seek forgiveness, and they'd, they'd walk this new life with you, Jesus, that in worship they could just say, Lord, I'm yours. Forgive me, I'm yours. Show me your way. But those of us who, who may have a, have been struggling and, and, and living just more of a Christian, check-the-box kind of lifestyle, Lord, I pray that you would convict us to, to walk this out, that we, that we would do the things that you're asking us to do. 
that we would see you show up in powerful, wonderful ways, Lord. That we would see that it's your power and your work within us, Lord, most of all. So have your way with us, Lord. And may we just lay it all down at your table this morning as we close out in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
majesty before my eyes. Let him take my breath away. A million angels fall face down on the floor. All to echo, holy is the Lord. My heart can help but sing with all of heaven roar. Forever echo, holy is the Lord. A million angels fall face down on the floor. All to echo, holy is the Lord. My heart can help but sing. With all of heaven roar, forever echo, holy is the Lord. Oh, 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 forever echo, holy is the Lord. Oh, oh, oh forever echo, holy is the Lord. Sing our praise to the Lord this morning. We praise you, Lord. We praise you and we sing our praise because you are holy and you deserve that praise, Lord. You are holy this morning. We acknowledge that. We say it out loud, Lord. I pray that this week that you would help us to not grow weary, Lord, but to, to seek you out in the hard moments, in the easy moments, in the quiet moments, Lord, to seek your face. Lord, we thank you for this time here today and we thank you that we get the opportunity to just give you praise and sing out, Lord. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.